0: Welcome to Time Enough podcast, where we will be going beyond, one step beyond, as we are currently focusing on episodes of the contemporous series to the Twilight Zone, One Step Beyond. This is Matt here, as always. Coming back, Dorian Bowen, film archivist. This should be an interesting place for a film archivist to look, yes? (laughs) Agreed. Um, I I guess it's television, so it's a little bit of a different thing. But uh...
1: It's media. It's all media. It's all film history, television history. It's all one big thing.
0: And, you know, apologies to the viewer that's watching this on YouTube. And, you know, it looks like a um, supermarket VHS from the 80s on YouTube. It it does seem that I think the show was shot on film because we did The Navigator last week. And that one looks quite filmy and good on YouTube. So. There are exceptions, but uh, we just have to get by on the the chamber drama, the writing, and the acting for today's episode, The Death Waltz. So uh, before I had record, I was kind of explaining to you how I just, when I was getting my anthology series starting this podcast, I, you know, I was getting a few anthology shows and this one kept coming up, but it was like cut rate, missing episodes, that sort of thing. So I didn't get it. That's how I became aware of it did you have any awareness of the show uh before i i sicked one on you
1: i really didn't and i'm glad to have done this i was obviously familiar with outer limits but i didn't deep dive deep enough to see one step beyond so this is all new to me
0: yeah i think we do see a few well kind of alien-ish things on one step beyond at, at some point but uh <laughs> yeah it is kind of it's a little more grounded i guess like twilight zone but the conceit is that everything here is based on a quote unquote real life event. So depending on how you read those. Um, I guess we'll get into it then and have you read the prologue, which you don't have to do anybody's impression because no one's ever gonna recognize a John Newland impression, I think. <laughs> no,
1: that's true. This is just gonna be me. But yeah. this prologue I read the prologue before I saw the episode, so Um, Well, we'll come back to that, but I think, okay, I'll just read it.
0: Read it, then comment on (laughs) it.
1: Okay, okay, I will. The war between the states, that bloody war is ended. But here in the West, another war rages. From Montana to Arizona, men named Carpenter and Crook and Custer fight men called Red Cloud and Spotted Tail, Crazy Horse and Geronimo. It's a war of unparalleled horror and tragedy and savagery, of horrors beyond recounting. And yet, in the opinion of many, its most terrifying instant occurred not on the plains, but here in the comparative safety Fort Union, New Mexico, and not during a battle, but during a dance, and not to a soldier, but to a girl. So
0: that would be 27, 27 year old,
1: movie? I'm sorry, that would be 27 year old girl Elizabeth Montgomery.
0: <laughs> right. Oh, uh, 20, yeah, yeah, 27 club. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, fortunately not Elizabeth Montgomery that actually we're doing things bass-ackwards today I do my trivia so I guess I'll do the trivia now (laughs) Uh, so just uh, cut rinse repeat reverse original air date was October 4th 1960 as with all One Step Beyond episodes John Newland hosts and directs series creator Merwin Gerard is on the script along with Amanda Ellis and Charles Larson excuse me Larson also wrote for the FBI in the streets of San Francisco. While this seems to be Ellis's only credit, uh, certainly if we trust IMDb on that. Elizabeth Montgomery stars as Lily Clark. Her career is too vast to really recount here, but of course, we'll note that she starred as Samantha Stevens on the series Bewitched. And folks in these parts probably saw her in the Twilight episode two. Ghostly Lieutenant Eustace Fairchild was played by Robert Sampson. Genre fans will note his role 25 years later as Dean Halsey in Reanimator. Finally, Joe Cronin played Lieutenant Henry Buchanan. Cronin also appeared on Perry Mason and in Gus Van Zandt's 2003 film Elephant. Weirdly enough, that seems to be his only credits. One episode of this, one episode of Perry Mason, and then what? 40 years later, this Gus Van Zandt film. I'm like, that's kind of... Bizarre. it's
1: very weird and there's very little information biographically about him also so he's a mystery i thought that was very interesting
0: so he should have been the ghost because we
1: <laughs> maybe he is
0: because we got robert sampson in a very notable role, right Ever, i mean well if you know reanimator you definitely know dean halsey
1: <laughs> and was he the one who also recently appeared on the hunters the Al Pacino television series. I thought it was. I mean, it's 2020, which is also the year that he dies. But I thought that that was his last credited role.
0: Oh, okay. Well, there is another one. Yeah. So maybe they should have switched roles. I don't know. I, I guess. I guess the dead lieutenant had to be the slightly dumpier looking one, though, instead of our charming Joe Cronin, who we know nothing about. So
1: <laughs> the mystery man.
0: <laughs> um. Anyway, you were you were saying you read the prologue before seeing the episode and had thoughts i have a few thoughts too but how about throw yours out and we'll we'll see i have strong how-
1: feelings about i mean i get what they're trying to do but they're basically like you know you've heard of the trail of tears you've heard of the ethnic cleansing of native americans but have you heard what happened to this pretty white lady when she pitted her boyfriends against each other that was the real tragedy of the time <laughs> that's <laughs> how that struck me was like yeah that unparalleled horror tragedy savagery but you know what else? this spooky thing so that sort of hit
0: me the wrong way but yeah that's that's pretty much how i came to it because at first you know it's like how a lot of twilight zones uh, it's like this despicable man that everyone hates it's like they're kind of like character judging this one person you're about to watch which is usually (laughs) just kind of funny right whereas (laughs) this one like you said it invokes a civil war so i'm like oh this is going to be like a civil war episode oh okay they're out in the west it's like kind of like a serenity thing you know the uh, the uh post-war no no not not really that either and then they start mentioning custer and uh, and red cloud and and geronimo and i'm like oh it's gonna have to do with that like no no it's not really gonna have to do with that either so um i don't know how how would you rewrite it yeah it's not the best written intro uh i was also complaining to you how many like and yet and not and not is Mm -hmm. i don't know like maybe that fits the way john newland talks um
1: Maybe I don't have much of a basis of comparison. So I just assume he was being flourishy here and dramatic. But um but yeah, I that just hit me the wrong way. Um and I learned a lot about um, you know, racism and um like the 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 what wait, hold on, let me pull it up. Andrew Jackson coming into office and, like, really the Indian Removal Act, I learned about that, I learned about, um you know, the American Indian Wars actually lasted from 1609 to 1924. So, I mean, it's just really random to throw something so significant and so tragic in there as a precursor to this one lady's story. So, you know, I guess I understand what the, they're trying to set the scene. So I understand that. But they 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 did it in a poor way in retrospect.
0: Yes. Um I guess we can move into the episode itself where I did have to watch this twice like because the lieutenant and Lily have like such a weird toxic relationship like I just <laughs> didn't like I didn't even pick up on it the first time cuz I was like is he like creeping on her which I guess he kind of is and at first I you know I guess from a 2023 perspective she's like ooh get away from me you know and um that you kind of just buy that right but well, you know, I don't she, know.
1: In your notes, you said that she was kind of independent, but I do think she's vain and cruel because she's manipulative. Like she's sort of disposing of people. And so I didn't find her as a sympathetic as a character. And although the Eustace, which is the only time I've ever heard that name, that's such an unusual name, right? Eustace. Um He's the one who is so jealous that he's jealous of quote everything you brush up against, <laughs> which I wrote down because that's so creepy. That that's a special thing. So you know it, it is dysfunctional. She, he seems really obsessed with her, and she seems to like him when it's convenient for her. So I think they're you know he. I don't think he understands his boundaries real great, but she also is leaving him one. I think so. Yeah, I don't I like think. You.
0: I think my first view I was like everyone expects her to get married she's the only non-married woman on the camp in the camp or the fort or whatever and well she actually does want to hook up I guess so um but yeah I was watching as no she just wants to like be the single person on on the base what's the problem with that but that that actually this is such a you know 1960 it's such a weird perspective because it's like such a Blend right because there are people like th- forward thinking in 1960 for sure, and including on television. But at the same time, there's quite a few, you know, social norms that we would think mm-hmm. of now as being like completely ridiculous. But at the time, <laughs> you know, maybe nobody noticed uh, or even thought of it. You know, I, it's it's hard to put yourself in the mindset set of that time i and that might be an interesting little just shade between this and and the regular zone where most of the zone still seems to be on the wavelength of the modern thinker where this one is a little bit off kilter And, and that's not like a criticism it's just like how it is you know um
1: but unless they were going for the time period and if during the Civil War you're the only pretty lady that wasn't married and you're surrounded by men all the time, then there could, and you really are 27, then I guess there could be an expectation that that you would be serious and settle down and contribute to the cause by, you know, doing your wifely and motherly duties. So that that could also be implying that that during the Civil War that was a role that she was not yet fulfilling.
0: I also came yeah. into um, this episode, oh, Elizabeth with inclination. Elizabeth Montgomery, yeah, great. You know, we, we like her, right? So I came in the episode predisposed to like her before. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially on the second view. I mean, she's great, but you're like, yeah, this, this girl's kind of terrible.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> the first way they indicated that was when somebody asked about the casualties. Her stepmother was asking about it. And she's like, oh, yeah, I was totally going to ask about if anyone died. I was going to get to it. You could tell that she really hadn't really considered that that might be something weighing on them. So, um, so I think they did a good job of of that, and I think she did a good job of of having that kind of flippant character that that really she turns a lot of things around, but it, it really is all about her.
0: But yes, I was too predisposed towards Samantha Stevens when starting this one, basically, right? So okay. it took me took me two views to actually get what how she's acting in this episode so
1: <laughs> that's, that's a nice compliment that you had to like dig deeper for the bad part
0: <laughs> yeah really <laughs> and um yeah my notes were the first watch where i was trying to be on her side but mm-hmm. you, you yeah you, you you can't you can't really so <laughs> um I was I mean, I didn't find trivia on it or whatever, but I was thinking about the the fort set a little bit because um, I know I wonder if they're reusing like some of the same sets uh, on the on the zones deaths had revisited. They basically just get to use a Western set. Right. And make it look like a, a concentration camp instead. But I assume that's probably what they were doing here. Um,
1: well, it said it was ABC films and it was shot at MGM. So okay. by 1960, there's still a lot of free backlots at MGM that they could be recycling for television specifically. So Yeah. Makes so
0: sense. I, I'm wondering if I just recognized it. Yeah, because we see these same locations and so many things. Um, I would, of course, and maybe you saw that in my notes, I just kept thinking of Tom Sawyer's Island at Disneyland. So <laughs> <laughs> that's probably my first go-to, though. Now that we've uh, been... You know, taking a dump on on Lily. Uh, (laughs) Maybe we'll talk about the lieutenants a little bit. Who?
1: Yeah, well, Eustace isn't great either. He's very obsessed. The Henry Buchanan is, you know, he's flashy and he's new, but he's sort of kind of a person of circumstance. Like he doesn't have a lot to do. He sort of comes in after the windfall of their relationship. It seems.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess he's the most chill because again watching it the first time Eustace comes on so creepy and weird and that that weird jealousy conversation like I was not knowing well I do know that actor from Reanime, I guess but I certainly didn't recognize him and I was like oh yeah this this is the you know horrible guy and, and they've already told us about the brutality of war so I'm kind of thinking maybe it's going to tie him with this guy yeah, yeah. I, I guess it the prologue is you know, the, the other ones we watch, the prologues are fine, but this one is a weird tone setter. It kind of like sets the tone, like the dials, like in the wrong place when you start. So
1: that's a really good way to put it. Agreed. Well, <laughs> but he also it's important that Eustace has the line. I'd come back from hell to be with you. So, you know, you sh- he has to show his passion to lead up to that line so that we can all be creeped out for the remaining time before we see it happen.
0: You came back from hell. Tell me about it. What was it like? <laughs> <laughs> I want to know, yeah, yeah, I guess you start creepy singing when you come back from hell um
1: well, I don't want to jump too far to the end, but you know it's interesting how as the episode goes on, at first she's the only one that hears him, but by the end she is not the only person that hears or sees him so that is an interesting element that he's you know he's ephemeral, but then all of a sudden he's he's really there and people, Okay, I'll just jump in then. That they say some saw her dance alone, some saw her with a stranger, and some saw her with Eustace. So that's creepy. That's a nice thing to add. Again, it, it goes with the the rhythm of the the opening. The the some saw, some saw, some saw. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's very really consistent. The writing actually, but I thought that was a nice touch. That you know, there's different versions of the story, and it's it gives it sort of this um, urban legend quality
0: uh partly of laziness and partly because i'm not quite sure how to go about looking for oh no again these are supposed to be based on like true recountings at least so it would be interesting to see the original tale for this one because obviously they gotta you know dramatize it blah 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 last week was the navigator obviously you don't know what was going on on a merchant ship so you need to dramatize all that you know (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah, this I, I you know, if this were a modern series, it would have like a link at the end, like here, you can check out the, the original story or something. But I wonder if yeah, I wonder if there was a way they could have just brought that in a little bit more. I I don't know. I guess on nineteen sixties television the, the medium is just too thin to uh carry that weight. <laughs> because now you listen to a podcast and you know, sometimes you'll have like ten links, right? So easy. Uh-huh. Uh, you'd put a link for these for these now.
1: Well, we can put a link to the actual um, hold on, let me get to it. Fort, Fort Union is actually a national monument, and it became one on June 28th in 1954. So you could put a link to the actual place. You can go to Fort Union, and you can see what it's like. Um, you I can go Watts
0: and collapse if you want.
1: Yeah, so You have to <laughs> spin faster and faster before the collapse, of course, but um, New Mexico, uh, they keep referring it to as a state, but of course, it wasn't really a state until January 6th of 1912, making it the 47th state. At the time, it was the New Mexico Territory, and the southern part was the Gadsden Purchase, which made it Confederate, and the northern part was Union. And another fun fact is that Arizona became its own territory, of course, that's bordering it, in 1863. So during the Civil War, Arizona became a territory. Uh, it was very... it was a sought after area, the
0: New Mexico territory, because the Western part of it was the Santa Fe. Right. And that's another thing, uh, spelling it out, in the prologue. I I was not aware that New Mexico was split. That's certainly something. I mean, the the war has ended, as they've said, but certainly that's a thread you could pull on a little bit. There must have still been like weird friction, which they don't get into except by mentioning it at the beginning. So it's kind of (laughs) kind of weird in that case.
1: And they do mention the Apaches, which is accurate. So the Apaches territory at at one point was the Rockies, the Colorado Plateau, Northern Mexico, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas. So a big swath of that area where they planted themselves inside at Fort Union would be Apache territory. So that like opening line where it was like 22 of them and three of us or some horrifying comment like that. And then at the end, the massacre that flips around, they don't really say what those numbers were, but. You know when it's 22 to
0: 3 everything's cool but when they get ambushed it's all bad and everyone's dead and everyone's right. up- well but I, I guess that's a you know a confirmation bias well it's a bias for sure i guess not confirmation bias but <laughs> um just just really on a, a really slight tangent um the term fiddlestick should really come back <laughs>
1: i i mean it begins with you just like go for it
0: yeah yeah oh i
1: also looked up judas priest because i was surprised to hear that and i thought that was a much more recent euphemism but that actually originated between 1910 and 1915 so that is a historically accurate well it's not historically accurate for the civil war era so i guess i'm making that point but in terms of 1960 it made sense, so that is an anachronism to have right. anybody express Judas Priest. Yeah, the metal
0: the metal band just kind of confused everyone. Uh, <laughs> Civil War obsessed Bob Dylan did do a song about Judas Priest in 1968 or whatever. So, <laughs> so that's was, a link. That's a link to put at the end of the podcast. oh, sure, sure. <laughs> but um, who is it? Somebody and Judas Priest. I can't remember who the other person is. Um. Cool song on this. it's on the John Wesley Harding album. Honestly, do I need a link? That? I think people can find that pretty easily. <laughs> uh, here we have a ball with with Watts's and ha- having been kind of spending some time in Muppet Land recently, I was really disappointed when we get to the ball. There weren't like a bunch of one liners, uh, <laughs> 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 which interestingly, it's, I think it's Don Don Evans, maybe. Anyway, in the Muppet Show, they because it was a British production regular muppet writer jerry Jewell had to basically pair up with a british uh comedy writer for the first season that comedy writer was the guy that did all the the at the ball stuff so which <laughs> i've been seeing since since i was 3 years old right or younger so uh, i was just expecting weird comments and and that did not did not happen so. <laughs> <laughs> the Definitely. ball
1: really was to the point i mean they showed up there was one dance and then everything went down so
0: Oh, it's a great um, record scratch, right? As far as far as the band, you know, doesn't play anymore, which I, I guess that means the entire band, at least, uh, saw it. And yeah, I, I think the most entertaining moment of the episode is him opening his mouth and making a, a ghostly waltz uh, come out of his mouth because that that was just bizarre. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Would have been fine if he didn't start creepily, supernaturally singing that Watts is, is my my personal note there. So,
1: <laughs> oh, It's a little creepy that he showed up. He looked very confident and happy about it, too. But, yeah, that's the thing. Everybody, yeah. some people thought, I mean, you don't get to know who's who. So the, the band could have stopped because they thought she was just dancing by herself. But the reactions that were so strong would imply that they knew that it was a ghost. So. I guess the the, the tone
0: of the episode is the entire room is aware of this, right? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So maybe, well, I don't know. So then that doesn't really match up with the action, but you know, it it suits it with that intro.
0: So why should we expect the epilogue to match up either? If the prologue didn't, which I mean, you know, he directed the thing too. So you think he might've caught that. So, which did not happen in the other ones we watched. At least we didn't catch it. like like, this one good episode but yeah yeah there there are some flaws on the prologue epilogue fitting with the episode itself uh, for sure so
1: but the episode ties nicely together she gets her come up for being i mean i still unclear how she just instantly died but you know
0: yeah happened. my question was gonna be what <laughs> killed her you know <laughs>
1: was it shock? Was it like he like absorbed her soul? Like w- would it have been more special sexy if it wasn't 1960s? Like all I saw was that things started happening more quickly and then she collapses and nobody seems to think she's dead. Like you know her dad's there and her dad doesn't exactly rush over to attend to her. And everyone's sort of spooked out by the fact that he was there and she just lays on the floor and everyone kind of comes over and leans over and looks at her but Then then we find out that she was dead. So it was a vague.
0: What's better in twigs and episodes like the fever where everyone looks over the dead body and then just walks away, leaving the dead body in the middle of the street, which I think has happened a few times on that show. (laughs) (laughs) So, hey, we can we can we can comment about, you know, nitpick on anything. Right. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) but But it
1: was enjoyable. I did like the episode. That's true. We don't want to get too nitpicky, but it was it was a fun, supernatural experience.
0: Yes, um, she did. Def- she definitely flopped to the floor pretty hard. So I guess I was kind of seeing like the music was consuming her soul. He'd just come back from hell. So, you know, he's probably capable of doing some some gnarly things and ghost murder. I mean, geez, I don't we always hear about getting scared by ghosts and maybe accidentally killing ourselves after seeing the ghost, I guess. But I can't mm-hmm. think of too many cases of like the ghost is going to straight up murder you. Um, Yeah,
1: and you know it starts when she's asleep, and it's almost four a.m., and she hears his voice, and then she doesn't believe that he's dead, and then she's right to not believe he's dead, or he is dead, but she's right to know that he's not gone. So, and everyone else gets to know as well.
0: But it certainly would have been better if he if he was gone. So,
1: (laughs) but he said he'd come back. Yeah, he kept all his promises.
0: He may be a creep, but he is an honest creep.
1: <laughs> Obsession knows no bounds, not even death.
0: Yes. Uh, do you want to throw out any other big concepts or, or observations with this episode?
1: Big concepts or observations? I think I got my, my facts in there about the New Mexico territory. I thought that was pretty cool. and um, And the Apaches. I'll throw out a weird legislative fact that I learned when learning about um, the American Indian Wars, and that is that the very first law that the United States created that discussed citizenship by naturalization was the Naturalization Act of 1790. And that's when they said that free white persons of good character were the only citizens of the country. So, you know, I was trying to make a timeline of, of, of racism, and it starts with the American Indian Wars in 1609, and then we've got that, which establishes who can be a citizen, and then from there, then there's the active removal and mass murder, relocation of not just the Native Americans, but many others, but that. You know so I was trying to build up to what had been happening in the country since since the Civil War and then of course after the Civil War there were a lot of relocations of the Navajos and it just goes on and on until the 1900s uh, where it goes on less implicit or more sorry explicitly uh you know relocation and and more latent racism occurring of course, in the 20th century but the the murder years are from 1600s to the early 1900s and so, You know, just because I had to read that intro, I just throw out that there's a lot of really interesting information about uh, where the Native Americans were during all of these centuries and during the Civil War before and after. And its own history of of those people is very interesting.
0: And that comes after the pestilence years, doesn't it? I mean, keep in mind that genocide had already happened. Like 80 percent of the Native populations were gone before we showed up to, you know, knock out another 10 or more percent, because there's tales of explorers going through what is now Ohio being like, it's like a garden, because it was. (laughs) There's nobody lived there anymore, you know? So, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I imagine, you know, word of, you said 1609 for the ones in the, you know, states area, but I imagine some kind of word of uh, Cortez and and his adventures had already come up from Mexico and that sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. it's uh, some gnarly stuff going on in the Americas.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that was actually my biggest takeaway from this episode was going down this rabbit hole, learning a little bit more about those timelines and and placing this you know tragic story of this white lady you know with the perspective of, of what else they were comparing it to so
0: because yeah, we, we don't see we yeah we see zero apache yeah it's just all it's all off-screen shakespeare style right i guess that's style. better
1: in a way i mean okay, I would, good point. right <laughs> that's sort of a saving grace i would say is that we didn't have to to go through um red face and, and some. Of they the would have cast atrocious... eastern
0: europeans probably
1: so so yes but no i don't want to say i didn't like this episode i liked very much but you know that's what's fun about coming back to things like this with a modern lens is you know learning more and and learning deeper than the first time around let's do
0: some let's do some questions on this episode the first being uh who in this episode takes a step beyond slightly rephrased
1: (laughs) Can I only pick one
0: person? I you, I guess you might be picking two or more. <laughs> Go for yeah. it. this is this is an open question. It's meant to be you can respond to it however you want.
1: Okay, well this is easy. Obviously, Eustace literally made the stepping, <laughs> and you can argue <laughs> that Lily did also, but Eustace went one step beyond before anybody else did. So he is the winner of the, the stepping beyond.
0: I assume Lily had the weirder experience, though, being haunted, and then um dance floor murdered or or at least massively fainting i mean it was, it's called death waltz i'm just gonna assume that she's dead at the end <laughs>
1: they said she was dead oh yeah they
0: said she's dead at the end yeah you're just on screen nobody really reacts much i guess it's pretty right. surprising you see a ghost ghost dances does creepy supernatural music girl dies you'd be there for a second probably like wait what huh that's mm-hmm. i guess that's actually not completely unrealistic
1: no, um, she collapses first. So probably people thought that she just fainted from the weirdness, but then they confirmed that she had.
0: To... Yeah. Whereas the, the Lieutenant probably, uh, the Lieutenant probably had like a weirder experience so that we just didn't see on screen. Cause he went to hell and, <laughs> and, back. Then, and then back. Yeah. He, got, he went to hell and got out of hell. So. Um,
1: Although if she was hearing him the whole time, so he died three hours before they got back to camp and she just heard him about 20 minutes before so i mean but i guess time is relative and time is meaningless so yes he could have already gone and come back in what we perceived as the 2 hours or what the story perceived as 2 hours um or she could, he could have been talking to her immediately after he died and you know what is time nothing
0: actually I when did. i was watching <laughs> again they say the dance on saturdays so i i feel like the dance was actually like a few days possibly a few days later From when, his death? when he gets the news when she gets the news it's like yeah it's been three or four hours right so but the appearance so maybe oh you're actually,
1: right you're i think right. she might
0: be haunted for like a few days by this
1: okay so. and that's cool and then this brings up the trivia on imdb which i'm gonna read because i still don't understand it and i don't know if it's true because it's sort of okay it says when most video versions there is a scene missing right before the final dance scene filmed in the general store okay that's the first sentence and the second sentence is this scene takes place in Lily's bedroom with the ghost Eustace appearing in her room so does that mean that she he appears in the room and then they have this like flashback to the general store I think that fact is confusing but if they are implying that there was an additional encounter that occurred before he shows up at the dance, so if that's the cutscene, then that makes not more sense, but it it sort of as the impact of her death, seeing him for the first time only at the dance you
0: see yeah, that? I think that is a good one to cut actually. I mean, if you're gonna it, it's the more effective that way, so
1: it's more effective for her to actually see him for the first time when everyone else does, as opposed to like hearing him is one thing, but actually seeing him is the is the climactic error, I guess,
0: yes um yeah okay that's interesting but that
1: fact is written a little weird so i wasn't sure if that was true because you know it says it's in two different places is it in the general store is it in her room is it somehow both maybe it was just a just written maybe she
0: lives in the general store i don't know
1: (laughs) (laughs) well they had that beautiful set already built so you might as well go back to it that's the most elaborate set in the story i'm pretty sure
0: yeah, it seems it was MGM, so, as you were saying mm-hmm. earlier. I don't remember if that was on our off air, but yeah. <laughs> um, do these people deserve their strange fates? I, I guess Lily we, we've already soured on, but I don't know. D- death is always kind of a heavy trip, man. I don't think she necessarily deserved to die for being uh, someone you'd have a toxic relationship with. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I agree. It's that is a little harsh of a sentence, but I think it is about it's about her betrayal and about her leading him on. So he was ready to do the till death do us part, or not really. Just kidding. I'm here too, um, and and she was very frivolous about it. So I think that's part of the tragic part is that he he was all sincere. Well, okay, he was obsession, but a sincere obsession and she was like yeah sure just you know go out there maybe die get a higher ranking and then then we'll get married you know she was sort of was leading him on so
0: i guess I he know. just <laughs> mixed up till death do his part with um with i'll drag you to hell so <laughs> <laughs> that's i guess that's the case there um
1: unless that isn't where he went i mean he was being maybe that was hyperbolic and he he lived a good life and he was just coming back to get her but that's part of the spooky part is where did he go and where is she going and where are we all going you know
0: did he live a good life he was out there killing apache's
1: <laughs> that's a really important part you're right. i was going guess- to say he-
0: deserved it because he's going on uh you know posse missions right i guess it's not a posse because they're military but
1: yeah this this goes back to the nazi thing right you're just he's just doing his duty but does that mean that he is an okay person because he was following orders so yeah good point maybe he's not maybe he is the villain as well
0: although he Um, wasn't supposed to be there that day it wasn't her manipulations
1: exactly (laughs) But yeah. he'd
0: been on previous patrols, so it's not like you had run over before.
1: <laughs> yeah, so was, was his blood on her hands because of that, or is that part of it? Like, he's coming back because she's the one response. She, she created the mechanations for his demise.
0: Yeah, so I think <laughs> he's way more deserving of a horrible fate, because he's out there killing humans where she's just being you know, uh, having high school relationships at age 27. (laughs) That's a
1: really excellent point. You're right. I overlooked the whole murder thing. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I I was looking at his sincerity as, you know, toward her, but that is absolutely not the totality of his character.
0: But again, even that's creepy with that whole jealousy stuff at the beginning. So I'm not even, like, personally even willing to... I I don't like him, I think. I think that's what we're getting at. Everything
1: you brush up against, man. I'm going to remember that as really a a new threshold of creepy, to be jealous of anything you brush up against. I just can't. That is the best writing in this episode. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Because I guess there... Are they even... I guess maybe that's actually a plus to this episode. It's really hard to see who they're painting as our protagonist, or who you're really supposed to uh, sympathize with. It's it's left super vague to the whole episode, which I kind of makes it work better. I think.
1: Yeah, you're right. It does. That's a really good point that, that, that ambiguity is important. I guess, you know, Buchanan is pretty aimless, Um, But again, he is a soldier and, you know, the Colonel is sort of this like friendly papa figure, but he is in charge of all the murder as part of his job. So, so yeah, you know, and the maybe the stepmom who comes on, you know, sh- she says to her being, She's like a an evil stepmother in the storybooks, which is an exaggeration. Um, oh, but oh, I have another fun fact. Actually, that lady. Let me look up who that is. The person who plays the stepmother. I was looking at her IMDb. That is. Oh no, I lost it. Where is the page? Do you have Do you have that pulled up? The uh, specific me... episode. What her name is.
0: Uh, hold on, I think I'm pretty close. To that uh, Bernice Clark is a character. Katie Stevens is yes. The Katie actor.
1: Stevens. Look at her filmography, and you'll notice that she was an actress when she was two, and then she oh. came back when she was like twenty.
2: Child. <laughs> so star. she was a yeah. baby
1: actress. Child. Yeah, isn't that fun? I mean, I don't. It was only a couple, couple films. So I don't know if if at two you're really an actress yet. But um, but I thought that was interesting that she was a true lifer with
0: the gap in between. Uh, Missile totally to the moon, know, jungle sorry, hell. That sounds
1: awesome.
0: The movie with Ginger Rogers. It seems, must have been her last movie or close to it, because it's the same as her death year. Is uh, Corina, Corina with, with with it looks like Whoopi Goldberg. I haven't seen that, but uh, is that Whoopi Gold? Yeah, that's Whoopi Gold. Sorry, it's a really tiny thumbnail there, which I guess that's why it's called a thumbnail. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I I got slightly lazy doing my trivia, I guess, and did not get that far down the cast list. But, <laughs> um, how trippy is this episode on the tripometer? meter? Zero is not trippy. Five is very trippy. Where would you like to place this one? I'm gonna put
1: this at a four
0: point four. Oh, you're going pretty high. Okay. You, you... Yeah, you know,
1: climbing back from death and actually killing someone as a ghost i think that's pretty that's pretty trippy you know time is in there death is in there uh yeah i'll commit
0: to a 4.4 they would have to have shown mm-hmm. me him in hell for me to commit to that that triple score um i was thinking i was taking a healthy 3.5 um <laughs> I, i've said before kind of western vibes tend to take it down that was like that was not a problem here so it did not take it down and what pushed it up was the um the insane singing at the end so (laughs) (laughs) that was was just that was a moment I mean if nothing else watch the episode for that moment because that's something you have you I don't think you've seen that anywhere (laughs) I can't think of anywhere else where, where we've just had the music stops the ghost shows up opens his mouth and this bizarro canned music starts coming out you know that was that 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 was pretty trippy to me so that definitely deserves the 3.5. And if you want to take it higher, I can, you know, I can get that.
1: Maybe can he talk? Did we hear him talk at all? Or was the only sound he uttered the music, which is super creepy?
0: I think in the dance hall, because he's talking, you know, you hear his disembodied voice before, but I believe in the there might be a line that's still disembodied, like his mouth isn't moving.
1: Okay.
0: I I can't because it's in her head
1: is what we're to understand is that she seems to be the only one that can hear him
0: right i th- i assume everyone heard the music i'd like i mean i'd be disappointed if they didn't hear the music so <laughs> the
1: looks on their faces said that they were traumatized enough by whatever was going on so likely they did hear it come out of him oh, or so just the sheer sight of, of it. him yeah, I was about
0: yeah. To say, if the ghost just suddenly like fades into the room that's gonna make most people you know double take a little bit so <laughs> <laughs> I assume, you know, some of us get a little jaded and they're just like, whatever, when that happens.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> Ghostbuster wouldn't care. They'd be like, whatever.
1: <laughs> oh, their work's cut out for them.
0: There's some ghosts that murder, but some of them are more like demons. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's how we get into puppets and retrocus dummies and like really super terrifying things, according to me. So,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: let's not let's not get into all that
0: okay not not a Slimer fan okay
1: <laughs> oh I do like Slimer but he is he really a demon I mean I'm talking like Dead Silence or whatever those creepy ventral dummy movies are that are super scary
0: oh okay so Slimer's just, lovable my brain was just sticking in Ghostbusters territory I also quite liked in the 2016 one the um the the demon ghost that just rides around on um What's her name's head for a while at the concert now? I only saw that
1: once, but I
0: know what you mean. Yes. Yeah. Leslie, what is her name? Leslie Jones? Is that it? Yes. Yes. I think so. Sorry, my brain was just rupturing and it was disturbing me. I couldn't remember her name off the top of my head, but uh, (laughs) I think that's right. Yes. Okay. Um, Got a final thought on this one.
1: No, but I have promotional information this time as opposed to the last times you've asked me if I had anything to promote. And I was like, no, I haven't been doing anything, but I do this time. You're
0: doing so something. whenever
1: you're whenever you're ready for that.
0: Sure, go for it.
1: Okay. Well, since I didn't I neglected to do this when we did two, the Twilight Zone episode. Um, If anyone's interested in learning more about Elizabeth Montgomery's father, Robert Montgomery, who was a movie star in the 30s and 40s, I have some research to share. Um, On, well, let's see, on Twitter, I do have, if you're into like stories and facts and research, and uh, I've also been um, mentioning when TCM was airing some of his lesser aired films lately, then you can go to Twitter, and the handle is at More Montgomery. And if you go over to Pinterest, I have something called Ephemeral Robert Montgomery, which is a digital archive. Uh, It's hundreds, almost a thousand, but for now, hundreds of promotional materials and movie memorabilia from all over the world. And that is lobby cards and posters, magazines, cigarette cards, trading cards, photographs press kits, like so many really cool things, um, all in a visual archive. So, and that is, um, it's called Ephemeral Robert Montgomery. And you can go to Pinterest.com slash moreover. Montgomery is the name of that one. So if you want to do some additional research, um, that is available to you.
0: Hit me with those links. I will I will add those to the show notes, but probably okay. not that Probably not the Bob Dylan song. You find that on your own.
1: (laughs) I mean, it would be great to put that in there to see if someone could really listen to the whole episode to know what that was referencing. But, you know, up to you.
0: But anyway, thank
1: you. Yes, I did want to share that this time since I neglected to last time.
0: Radio. Uh, As for us, it's Time Enough Podcast on X. And uh, we're on Facebook. And you could support us on Patreon at Podcastio podcast is where we do lots of other podcasts but I won't get into all of that because uh we are also suggesting that you go support the SGA uh WGA strikes which is why we're doing one step beyond I can talk about whatever I want that's why I keep throwing out the twilight zone name a uh, twilight zone name a little bit but but we're trying to show a, a touch of solidarity for uh a nasty labor situation which kind of mirrors a lot of labor situations in America and I would say a lot of the gripes they have, not the AI one, but a lot of the other ones are why I work in Japan and not America. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Okay. Uh, let's. Uh, I don't like dancing. I think I'm safe from a death waltz. So I'm, I'm good to go.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't actually know how to dance. So Although a well, waltz seems like the first one I would learn. So actually, it's possible. You-
0: I kind of know how to waltz. I, I actually, to be honest, I, yeah, I was in a dance class once. So I technically might know how to waltz, but I also learned how to swig dance a little bit. And I remember once um, st- uh, throwing a female manager into a wall because we were swinging <laughs> up, and I didn't do it right. So,
1: <laughs> no, I've not seen a professional do any wall slamming. So, that might need some brushing up.
0: I definitely wasn't a professional, and this was in a bar in Maine, and everyone had already had a few beers, so <laughs> that's <laughs> how it happens.
2: <laughs> After peppering up the ether, infusing now up the spirit glass, frankincense wending as angel's hair, infusing draughts of the newborn air, raising the out of. of- Locking, locking down, down on, turning, turning away from, from walking, walking out of, the myriad talents of Saturnine Babylon, and the direct legion under Old Deschalon. Beyond their informants' boundless digitalis, been reawakening the word behind sound. People rising free from encrypted data streams. And nothing ever was as it before seemed. Within the herd, the lost implants creep, and thirteen tentacles of the cabal to infiltrate. Submerged in the gloom of the reptilian room, three queens be still imprisoned. Find the one thing that is truly real.